0: Money has no value without the activities of life.
1: You're listening to Banking on Digital Growth with James Robert Lay who believes there is no better time than now to educate and empower financial brands to gain a fresh perspective around future growth opportunities. That's why today's episode is part of the New Starts Now series, brought to you by Nimbus, who offers a complete set of tech, tools, and services, all designed and engineered to empower you and your financial brand to maximize your future growth potential.
2: Greetings and hello, I am James Robert Lay, and welcome to the 148th episode of the Banking on Digital Growth podcast. Today's episode is part of the New Starts Now series, and I'm excited to welcome Margaret Hardigan and Allison Netzer to the show. Margaret is the founder and CEO of MarStone on a mission to enhance financial literacy, deepen financial inclusion, and humanize finance for all. Allison is the Chief Marketing and Strategy Officer at Nimbus, who is empowering financial brands to transform their capabilities to drive value and maximize growth in today's digital marketplace. Welcome to the show, Margaret and Allison. It is so good to share time with you both.
0: Hi, thanks for having me. Yeah, good
3: to see you. Thanks for having me.
2: You know, I always like to start things off on a positive note here. Something good, something exciting, something that's been going well. What is that right now for both of you? One thing... One thing that is good, personally, professionally, it's always your pick to begin.
0: Well, it's always a good day in Austin, Texas. Sun is out. I mean, I know it is where you are. I think what's going well for me right now with the team, we're we're growing rapidly at Nimbus, as you know, and we've got some really cool teammates joining us on the marketing and strategy side that we're going to be announcing in the next week or two. So I'm, I'm pretty pumped about
2: that growth. Growth is good. Growth is exciting and it it really is energizing. I'm looking forward to those announcements and by the time this airs, we'll hopefully get that out and people will know exactly what that is. So you'll have to wait and see or actually come back and, and, and follow Allison on LinkedIn to get the lowdown on that. Margaret, what about you? What's, what's been going well?
3: Um, Similar teams growing, Uh, we're seeing a lot of success, but particularly really excited about our collaboration with Allison and Nimbus and really the community bank credit union space where it's really fun to be able to bring wealth management to these organizations who Maybe didn't think it was an opportunity in the past.
2: Very much so, and collaboration is a key part of growth. It is a key part of bringing together people together for good. And this idea of wealth management—you've you spent ten years here as a financial advisor, two thousand two to two thousand twelve—before founding Marstone back in twenty thirteen. And I want to hop into the to the Delorean of the mind, and let's take it. Let's take a trip. Let's go back to two thousand eight the Great Recession. I'm curious, you know, being in wealth management as a financial advisor, what did that time period have on you? How did the Great Recession help you see things a little bit differently when it comes to wealth management when launching Marstone?
3: Oh, that's a great question. So uh, in addition to gray hair, it gave me a, a new perspective on people. Uh, when, remember, I was client facing. So every account was the a personal narrative. It was a special needs trust. It was a college account, a mortgage or what have you. And so what I recognized during that period of time was that there were three challenges. The first one was most people lacked financial literacy. And that didn't mean that they weren't bright. It just meant they weren't familiar with the language of investments or correlations of assets. The second one was when President Obama got elected, there was concern that maybe the tax code would change. And I started seeing money move across generations pretty radically and earlier than people anticipated. So I thought, wow, how are institutions going to keep their arms around those deposits and those investments when this money moves? Because remember, like, you know, I'm the oldest of five, most, none of us actually bank at the same place as our parents, right? So how do we safeguard against this? And then lastly, the systems that we were using were very paper driven and the systems didn't speak to each other. So they were silos versus ecosystems. So having lived in San Francisco for a long time, I knew that we had to have technologies that enabled both the institution and their their bankers or financial advisors, but really the clients too, because we're not prepared for that. So that, that was really, that was the big item for me. It's pat to say now, but technology does change consumer behavior and our, our industry was very, and remains very late to it.
2: Yeah. So you're, you're hundred percent correct. Technology does drive consumer behavior. It also drives you know, new competitive threats as well. We're seeing that. But on the flip side, it also drives the potential for collaboration, which is where y- you and Allison have been doing a lot of thinking around. I want to stay right here for just a bit, Allison, because Margaret, you, you mentioned people, uh, people really being at the core, the center of your thinking here. And Allison, you and I have had many conversations about the people problems, the people problems when it comes to money and really the emotive side of managing money Uh, at nimbus you've spent a lot of time listening listening to people listening to financial brands about some of these problems some of these challenges listening is core to the culture at nimbus what have been some of the big pain points that people feel when it comes to managing money what have you been hearing here
0: yeah, no, excited to uh, to talk a little bit more about that. But first, do want to congratulate margaret on on all of Marston's recent success. they're They're definitely one one to watch, not only in the wealth management space, but I, I think beyond. So I just wanted to be able to to tell her that, kind of quasi in person. Yeah. but but James Robert, you mentioned the emotions people feel when it comes to managing money. and it it's connected to the emotions that they feel, that we all feel when it comes to managing life, right? Money has no value without the activities of life. And there there was a recent survey called Mind Over Money by Capital One and the Decision Lab, which I know you're familiar with. And it it noted that three in four Americans feel anxious about their financial situation. 58% feel finance controls their lives. And 52% have difficulty controlling their money-related worries. That adds up to over 100%. If you think about people <laughs> feeling it controls your lives and then they can't control their worries. So in a word, people are anxious is, is way to say it. And, and with our, just from, from our example, our bank for newlyweds, Hitched, which we've done a lot of first-person research on, we found that future financial security is their number one concern. Our work in conversations with business owners you know, we found the same thing, right? Business owners are people too. And I keep I keep repeating that. And I'm going to keep repeating that. So business owners are concerned and have have that fear and that anxiety about their livelihoods, but also are worried about their impact on the businesses that depend on them. And we often kind of forget about that part. So all that said, Emotions are energy. Uh, we need collective energy to to drive the type of changes that I know the three of us champion in our industry, meeting people where they are, understand where they can go, and and definitely being accountable beyond the technology.
2: Emotions definitely are energy. And a lot of this does come back to well-being because mm. there's the financial well-being aspect. And even TD has done some studies around this showing the correlation between a person's Physical well being and their financial well being,
0: mm-hmm.
2: their financial well being and their mental well being. And when money is stressful, money is confusing, money is overwhelming, then it it can take a toll and really impact things in a not so positive way. I I want Margaret, I want to expand maybe a little bit further on Allison's thinking here, dig deeper into some of these challenges, specifically when it comes to wealth management, both from a consumer perspective, as well as from a financial brand, a a bank, a, a credit union. What are some of the problems that we must be thinking about? We must be aware of here that could, could hold things back from moving forward to creating a bigger, better, brighter future for, for others in this space.
3: One thing I came from wealth management, I have to say, I didn't fully appreciate or understand banking, all sides of banking, until I started working with banks, right? They have very different back-end systems. They, uh, many bank operators haven't rotated through all aspects of a bank, so they, they aren't really bilingual in their understanding of each other's pain points and process. Um, but I think what, what I do think you see is this massive convergence of everyone getting into each other's swim lane. So the big firms like a Merrill Lynch or Morgan Stanley, they have what they call cash management accounts or like beyond banking to a layperson, They act like a bank. Um, you can pay with things, ATM, uh, they do mortgages, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, lead gen companies are now starting to get into like banking and they're starting to get into, you know, wealth management. So I think that we, the world has changed and you need to collaborate. It's very difficult to be all things to all people. And I think, we all have to offer more service lines than we probably did before. And so I think there's a huge opportunity for banks and credit unions that typically don't offer wealth management. These, I actually think it's a very important uh, strategy to protect their deposits, as I highlighted earlier. When a small business owner has a liquidity event or if there's an inheritance, oftentimes it may not stay at that institution because it maybe the money manager has these other capabilities or whatnot. So I think there's a huge opportunity. Uh, FinTechs have like firms like Nimbus and whatnot have made it easier for people to offer a, a niche bank or a de novo bank that enables that their cost to serve to go down dramatically. And I think by offering these additional services, it enables you also to enhance like your net promoter score and the average number of services per, per company. So I think people would be very surprised by how accessible the the cost structure is to actually launch these programs, whether it's, you know, Nimbus or, or Markzong. But I also think they would really have their hair blown back by how fast they're deployed too.
2: Yes. Yeah. It's that speed, that speed to market, but it's also the simplicity yeah. as well. You, you mentioned something, this idea of what I will call here the great convergence and, You've got, uh, when you mention Legion companies, I think of like a Nerd Wallet, for example, offering some of these services. That was more of a content play to begin with. And then now they're flipping it on its head and bringing these services to bear in the marketplace. And you mentioned collaboration. I I see collaboration, as I mentioned before, as a path towards exponential growth because of this idea around speed. It's a way to shortcut to create new paths, to solve big problems for people. How are you two working together to collaborate to create value for people by humanizing finance, and 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 also from from the internal side, empowering and simplifying some of the back offices, the processes, the systems. What does collaboration look like for the two of you?
0: Sure. So, I mean, I'm I'm very fortunate that that Margaret and I collaborate together in in several ways, and, and I know we'll get into to partnership best practices in a little bit. Uh, currently, I mean, we're working with Marstone Stone on the concept of wealth management within niche segments in both consumer and SMB. And, and so, you know, you've got, I think, two very different but but holistic offerings coming together. And, and just like Margaret mentioned, you know, she's learned a lot about banking. You know, in this partnership, I've learned enough to be dangerous about what wealth management. And when you talk about the the human side of of banking, and then also the simplification of back-end processes. You know, um, know, Margaret, you said before, wealth management is not necessarily for the wealthy, right? A lot of it is the looking forward, the financial literacy, a lot of things that financial brands are doing today in trying to humanize, right? Higher level of service, you know, looking towards the future, financial literacy, setting goals those are the ingredients for wealth management. We just sort of, people sort of have a visceral reaction when you say wealth management, right? You think of a big desk, you think of New York, at least I do. um, And you've got to like be super rich. And, but the, the, the planfulness, the literacy, the thinking of your family, the legacy of your business, those are human things that wealth management can and should help with. And again, like, Myself, my team, the broader team at Nimbus, was surprised at how easy it would be for banks and credit unions to be able to offer wealth management when they don't.
2: That's a great point. This idea of what I would call the democratization of wealth management. Right. Because what you just said, financial... Uh, management, wealth management is not just for the wealthy. That's a misconception right there. And I'm curious, you, you know, Margaret, you've got 20 years of experience in wealth management. What might be some of the other misconceptions and the misunderstandings financial brands might have around this subject? What could be holding them back from from bringing this capability in? Because we're talking about collaboration. We're talking about simplicity. We're talking about empowering people with knowledge, which with, with education here.
3: Sure. I think part of it is a different regulatory um, oversight. So that might spook, you know, certain bankers who, who say maybe I don't need another regulator, like in my my foyer, but they're new business models. So, you know, for instance, Marston, we are a registered investment advisor. We can be the regulatory, regulated entity, and we can manage the money and actually revenue share back to the client. And in that model, we can stand someone up for, in thirty days. I, I think. I think it's the cost. I think it's maybe the uncertainty of what it takes on um, the regulatory environment. But you know, we've worked together to come up with like really easy bullet points to like almost get started quick guides. And the, you know, we're also we want to be a great coach. So let's say that someone wants to start out, they want to date the whole business, they want to date us as a provider. But then once they get their sea legs, they might say, "Hey, you know what? We might want to take this back." In house and there's all sorts of flexible models. Like I think, like we we want to be a player coach with folks and want to help them kind of explore the, the entity. But I, I, going back to one of the things Allison said is wellness and you know at the end of the day, Dave and plan and based on Maslow's hierarchy of needs, it's food, shelter, security, and then bits of aspiration and whimsy. And that's true if you're a billionaire, and that that's true if you're financially innocent and just starting out. And all of those things are actually financial decisions right? Where am I going to live? How am I going to get to work? You know, are my family, is, are they safe? And so what we have done, and Allison and her team, team pretty stoked on it, is we've created this interactive financial wellness and inclusion planning tool that is a lovely complement to, a, you know, a bank like Hitch, where two individuals are coming together and trying to figure out how much is pooled, how much is separated, and like put guardrails on things. And it's also a great way to actually test drive do we actually have the same values and beliefs about some of these items? So I think the partnership that we have is is great on many levels because we complement each other. I never want to be a core. I'm not going to be launching any banks. I don't think Alice wants <laughs> get into wealth management or Jeff. No, I'm good. But one thing that I think is like her team, Allison in particular and Jeffrey, they have a very high EQ as well as IQ and subject matter expertise and a real commitment to design sensibility. Because at the end of the day, at least on the wealth management, that's a highly commoditized activity. But what's not highly commoditized is how bank XYZ, what their value proposition, what their culture is, and how they display that to the greatest number of people at the greatest cost and the greatest ease. And so I think we're we're very aligned in our design sensibility and our kind of approach.
1: Today's episode of Banking on Digital Growth is brought to you by Nimbus who believes in creating even better financial services for all. Better access, better experiences, better value, all while supporting the entire customer journey. And how do they do this? Offering end-to-end niche banking solutions that you can buy or build, providing accountability beyond the technology, and prioritizing impactful, intentional innovation instead of chasing features. Ready to transform what is and create what's next? learn more at nimbus.com
2: I like what you're you're referencing a couple of things number 1 addressing the fears the fear particularly of the unknown like this is uncharted territory there's the regulatory aspect of this that's one aspect that I'm really encouraged by but number 2 it's this model of the player coach or what i like to reference as the helpful guide you know we could do this for you we can do this together with you or we can guide and empower and coach you to do this and do even more there and that really is at the essence of collaboration here and and when it comes to collaboration um I'm, i'm curious allison what can we do to maybe clear up some misconceptions and misunderstandings that a financial brand, a bank or a credit union might have about collaborating when things might not have gone too well historically in the past in some of these, these areas. Um, I just had a conversation with Sarah Howell about this in episode 146 and she coined the phrase, it's all about the symphony of simplicity. Oh. So. Okay. What holds financial brands back from making collaborative commitments? Well,
0: you know, I love the topic of misconceptions. It's one of my favorite things to talk about. So, you know, to me, one of the biggest misconceptions around fintechs and financial brand partnerships is this this misperception that it's one of survival, right? This is sort of almost desperation. And that's not a collaboration of equals, right? That's not what you're hearing, for example, from Margaret and myself today, there's this misconception that there's this be-all, end-all in some fintechs digital drawer somewhere that's going to save, you know, save your institution, save the world. The truth is that the best partnerships and collaborations aren't even always on paper, but they are always from a place of abundance uh, where the groups, and it can be more than two, doesn't have to be two. The groups have momentum, they have ideas, they have passion, and they just need a structure. To make that happen. The partnership is the structure. It's not the salvation, right? It's, it's just a structure. And so you know I think two good examples of this, certainly what Jason has been doing in Alloy labs. and of course, you know, as, as Margaret mentioned, what we're what we're doing over at Nimbus Labs.
2: When when you reference this idea of abundance, I just immediately latch on to that because I it's the, how I view the world. Competition in my mind, I let go of that a long time ago. And it was a very right. good thing, truth be told. Took a little bit of therapy, but we worked through some of that. We got out on the other side, and it's a lot better off. And and but I'm curious, you mentioned this idea of partnership. And I wanna I wanna come back over to you on this, Margaret. Let's call it a partnership rooted in purpose i think purpose is really key there's that alignment and you were touching on this before so when it comes to a purpose uh framed around and really designing a bigger better brighter future for for people what do you see uh, some of the biggest opportunities here to humanize finances for people going forward. you touched on this with Hitched, but to really make money more approachable, feel less intimidating, feel overwhelming. How does purpose play into this, and really a, a, a partnership of purpose?
3: It's definitely why we get out of bed every morning. There's, you know, where we've been around for a while in part because we we were the first ones to move in this space, and we did a lot of the back end plumbing uh, on the wealth management side with with large financial firms this tool that I referenced maps that we are going live with a couple of clients in first quarter, not everyone is ready to invest, but almost everyone needs help getting their financial house in order. And so when you marry that purpose and then marry it with really great design fidelity, it's not heavy in math and not heavy in jargon. It actually really enables people to start playing with you know, opposites, see what the simulations can be. And when you have a gamified uh, interactive platform or approach, like, like this plan planning tool has people get up the hockey stick really quickly because they have purpose. They want to buy a house. They want to send the kids to school. They want to do those things. And when the tool shows them how to get there, what's very cool is they actually self-correct whether it's save more or change the size of the house or the time frame, And That is incredible. So then suddenly you have people that actually are empowered because they're educated when they do advance to either applying for a loan or or what have you. So, But a planning tool without connectivity to take action, whether it's banking, lending, or investing, is sort of like a Fitbit and never going to the gym or or working out, right? It, It doesn't work. So what's key is an ecosystem. And I think what the Nimbus team has done is it adds this extension to a planning tool that offers banking and in our partnership, we can offer investment and planning. Well, now you have an ecosystem where everything's talking to each other and it can be automated and a big psychological key for success is actually automation. So I think that the Nimbus opportunity also enables a lot of banks to reach people that they actually really want to reach, but with their current technologies, the cost to serve is so great. So this is pretty exciting for us because there's a bank that we're about to announce in New England that really wants to extend deeper into the community, but they can't with their, their said trust department or trust firm or their current core or their current custodian. And now we're being able to come in with a very fast, easy, and um, very cost competitive
2: platform good point you make about a planning tool without the ability to empower someone to act. is almost kind of like a Fitbit and an act is an act. You see in digital growth, Topia acronyms abound and maybe it's just because 20 years in the banking space, I've gotten so accustomed to an acronym for everything, but I think it's also a little mental hack for this ADD mind to actually remember things. But, but here's the acronym for act it's awareness plus commitment Equals transformation because there's one thing to know what you need to do to get the awareness. But you need to have the courage to act, to move forward, to make the commitment so that you can reach that transformative state because it's the, it's the growth that comes through transformation. That's where you achieve the goals. That's where you the house, the business, whatever that might be on the other side. So I really like this idea of providing not just the knowledge, but then providing really the guidance, the recommendations to empower someone to act with courage. Allison, I want to leap into the mind here of uh, a financial brand leader. And, and, and you are touching on this a little bit, Margaret, about some of these examples. I want to leap into the mind of a leader here. They're at a bank. They're at a credit union. They're listening to today's conversation. They're feeling hopeful. They're feeling excited about the future here to create even more value for their account holders. What might be some of the big opportunities for them to create through collaborative commitments through strategic alliances?
0: I, one of my favorite places to be is in someone else's mind. Um, but And I was just checking my Fitbit actually, and, and Margaret is correct. If you do not actually walk, it does not register steps, which is sort of where I am at the moment. Uh, but I hope the, the bank and credit union leaders are feeling hopeful uh, even before listening. But we talk a lot at Nimbus about how there are no obstacles to growth only you know only opportunities not taken and and I think the opportunity for financial institutions to create that value through collaboration it is there uh, it really is I think especially if you take the mindset I mentioned earlier coming to the table as equals and and from that place of abundance I think the specific areas where FIs can collaborate are with smaller well-run fintechs that can partner to make incremental changes versus big overhauls. You know, a few examples, I think what Catherine is doing at Plinkett, of course, uh, autobooks, I think are two two good examples of, of that kind of type of partnership. And when you look at the data from folks like American Banker, or even just pull up your app store, consumers and business owners aren't demanding a revolution. I know we'd like to be in a revolution, like that's more exciting. But they're not demanding a revolution. They want to be seen and heard, and and that can often be a, a you know, Jim's right. I know you're big into the small steps. That can often be just a small step towards the consumer or business owner versus a disruptive technology that could possibly move them farther away.
2: It's a great point. That idea of small incremental changes. It's the it's change. Just the word. It it it. it. It sets some people off because, you know, no one likes to get their cheese moved. Uh, I, I prefer to seek the solace of the, of, of the norm and what I know to be safe and true, but on the flip side, it's through that commitment of transformation that we can create something new together. But when we do it in small incremental bits, those small steps, which is where I'd like to wrap up today's conversation. It has been fantastic. And I really thank you both for the knowledge, the thinking, the expertise that you're sharing here so that we're all learning and growing together, what are some very small practical steps? And maybe it's just one next best step that the dear listener can take who is hearing this so that they can continue to move forward to make progress along their digital growth journey when it comes to capturing some of the opportunities we've discussed around wealth management, around even collaboration. What would you recommend as the next best step forward for them, Margaret? Something small, something simple.
3: I, th- I think one might be to take an inventory and audit of what their current client base looks like, you know, both from like an age concentration, diversification, because I think we do have to start planting for the future. And, you know, so, so I think that's one. And then figure out what are the right ways that we can go out and start getting smaller, younger, new clients. I think that that's pretty critical. What are the tools? Because my guess is that it's pretty concentrated and that that's vulnerability and just elaborating on you know your question but also allison's answer earlier i just came from a wealth management conference and we were talking about robin hood and you know different companies and you know people are sort of scoffing at you know well their average account size is three thousand dollars or blah blah blah, but truthfully that's what schwab looked like in 85 and so the people who are saying well that's cute about hitched or you know that you know that's nice that people are doing a niche bank but You know their average bank balances is fifteen thousand dollars or this or that. Well, you know what? Look at how big these generations are. You know, I'm in Gen Z, Gen X, so there's like five of us, but like the generations behind us are quite large. And so I think that banks that aren't looking at how they can retain these assets and acquire new ones, that so that's where I would begin. Look at the audit. Look at where the ACHs are going. My guess is they're going to stash. They're going to Robinhood. They're going to things like this. And you know. Coinbase and all these wealth management firms, Schwab, Fidelity, et cetera, they're becoming more and more banks and they're doing things that banks can't do right now, like same day settlement and pre-funding like Robinhood and Coinbase do. So I think an opportunity like working with Nimbus in particular, a bank can actually be agile and they can do R&D and no one's going to lose their job if it doesn't go exactly how they want it be you know because the expenditures not so great and so i do think people have to test and learn so I, I, it's more than you asked for but th- that was just sort of my idea
2: no i want to bring that back to really kind of two points number one inventory clients like just take a snapshot of, of where you're at and how does that look and project out over the next 10 years is that a sus- is that a sustainable model going forward and then it's like, okay, well, you've got, like you said, your ex. Well, then you got the millennials, then you got the Zers. Those are, you know, we're going to see probably the most massive transfer of wealth ever at this point, going from one generation to the next. And, and, and where is all of that going to go? Where are they going to be? It's the, once again, it's the democratization of money. And I think those that can provide clarity, those that can provide some, some help and hope and really hope comes before help. They'll be in a really good position to guide the next generation forward. But to the concern, as I'm hearing you say this, well, they're not large dollar accounts at this moment in time give it time because if not now, when, if not who, then, then what? So really, really great thinking right there, Margaret. Allison, what about you? What's the next step you would recommend to the dear listener to take to move forward with courage and confidence on their own journey of growth?
0: Wow. That is a tough ask to live up to. I'm going to take a slightly different spin on the word asset. So I know we're only on video, but I am putting my hands to my head. So mine is protect the asset. Which is your mind, and and give it love, give it attention, and give it rest.
2: Yeah, that's a great point because, you know, as we move forward into this age of AI, into this age of automation, I really believe it's the thinking that we are doing that will create the greatest value, not just the doing, because it's the doing that has the ability to be automated. That can feel a little bit scary, but if we can detach ourselves from the doing and really wrap our minds around the thinking, we can all do even better together. Margaret Allison this has been a great conversation. Thank you both for the knowledge, the insights. If someone wants to continue the conversation with you that we started here today, what is the best way for them to to reach out and say hello?
0: Yeah, for me, I'm a LinkedIn junkie. So that's, uh, that's the best way. You get all my info there.
2: Go to LinkedIn, connect with Allison, learn from Allison. Margaret, what about you?
3: Same, that or mhardigan at marstone.com. Be happy to speak with anyone.
2: All right. Well, thank you. Thank you both. And thank you for listening. Thank you for joining me on another episode of Banking on Digital Growth. As always, and until next time, be well, do good, and make your bed.
1: Thank you for listening to another episode of Banking on Digital Growth with James Robert Lay brought to you by Nimbus, who is on a mission to bring the people, process, and technology together to create new routes to growth for financial brands and enable them to deliver outcomes. To learn more about how you can collaborate with Nimbus to maximize your future digital growth potential, visit www.nimbus.com. Until next time, be well and do good.